I learned early on back in my football days that when you play or coach a game, you're not just playing your opponents. You're playing the officials as well. This past week, the Browns learned that you can beat the officials. You're listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast, an iconoclastic look at the latest Cleveland Browns news. The What the Elf Was That podcast is part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here's your host, Joel Cade. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to What the Elf Was That? And uh, in case you didn't watch the game last week, there is a lot of What the Elf Was That to ask but in a positive way because the Browns came out on top. Finally, after years of watching this happen to the Browns, they took it to the Ravens. So, special week this week because I got Samuel with me. Samuel, say hi. Hello. All right, Samuel, tell us about yourself and what you're doing. So, I am a podcaster here. I'm based in uh, Arlington, Texas. So, I'm a bit far away from the Cleveland area, but I still follow them the best I can. Uh, and I just I just do podcasts. I really enjoy the Browns. I've got some Browns gear on. It's Amari Cooper. I don't know if you can Ooh, see it. But I've got my Amari Cooper jersey on. And so yeah, with that too, man, yeah. that could be Johnny Manziel, and we'd never know. Yeah, that's why I had to mention that. But yeah, I'm just a I'm just a Browns fan. And I just like chatting about them. Awesome. So Samuel, how long you been following the Browns? <sighs> I mean, since Baker Mayfield was drafted, that's kind of when I started paying attention to the Browns. Oh, that whole Texas thing, huh? Yeah. It did and we then, gain you with Baker and then like you just stayed on after yeah, you kind of Baker was not the thing. Yeah. But I think I supremely started following I uh, supremely might be the wrong word, but I started re- intently, intently following the Browns about Deshaun Watson's arrival. I think yeah, another there, Texas guy coming, thing. right? Mm-hmm. Now, another guy from Texas. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. See, now we're importing him from everywhere. All right. So Samuel, let's uh let's get right at this. Um I know you're doing a Browns podcast for the Fans First Sports Network, right? Yep. All right, what's your podcast called? It's called Browns Breakdown. So B-R-O-W-N-S-B-R-E-A-K-D-O-W-N-S. There's no space in between either. And what do you primarily talk about on Browns Breakdown? Uh, just just all the Browns. I, will, I have two episodes per week. I have one on Wednesday at 3 p.m., which is a recap of the um the previous game on sunday and then on saturday at 3 p.m i will release a look forward episode that is um projecting what i hope to happen in the upcoming game the next day awesome so guys check that stuff out check out the browns breakdown but always remember to come back to what the elf was that where we ask all the questions that you're thinking that nobody else is willing to answer except me i'll, I'll take them all on All right, so big game this past weekend. We saw the Cleveland Browns take out the Baltimore Refins, that is the Ravens and the Refs at the same time. Combined. Yeah, their combined total effort. (laughs) Had to smack that down. Before we get into that, I I wanted to tell a story. I think some of you who've listened may have already heard this story, but I grew up in a part of Ohio that has a pretty intense rivalry. I grew up in Pequa, and I now live in Troy. And that's a big rivalry for those of you who are aware of what that is in Ohio. And um, I, you know, played in Pickle, and we knew when you're going to Troy that you're going to get a call. The refs are going to call some terrible thing, and they're going to be on the side of the Troy team. And, like, you're going to have to just beat the officials, right? That was never a 
question for us. Like, like you're just going to have to beat the officials if you're going to win this game. So we knew going in, something stupid's going to happen, and they're going to get an extra first down or whatever, and you're going to have to just do it. You know, but that's as a player, and you're thinking, ah, okay, I as a player, we can see that crap, whatever. But then when my kids started going to Troy High School and I got involved in that program, one of the things I used to hear the coaches talk about is like, well, Pitt was coming to town, so we know we're going to get some calls from the refs. We just have to take advantage of those calls. And that's when I realized this referee thing is a real deal. So no matter what Pat McAfee or anybody else wants to talk about with, oh, this is garbage, it's not WWE, it's all scripted, all that stupidity, all of which is designed to make you or people who think that this stuff is real is really a bunch of foolhardy, stupid people who don't know anything. This FRE thing is a real thing. It's a real thing. It goes on. So I'm telling you, when the Browns have to beat the refs, they have to beat the refs. So what did you notice in the game, Samuel? Uh, man, it was just it was just a lot of bad calls. And I mean, we played well. I mean, we definitely had a good game. Of course, the first probably quarter and a half, I think, was that, that initial pick six really got me kind of get, put a sour note on the whole game. And but obviously we won, so that made up for it. But it was it was just a lot of referee really screwing up the Browns, just making it hard for them to do anything because we finally get a stop and the Ravens would do a, something silly and they'd get a call and they would move it up or Browns would be third down and we'd get the first down and then something would happen and the referees would push it back and we'd have to punt. It was just it was just a really hard. Yeah, I mean, the officials have real ways of controlling NFL games. Mm-hmm. They really do. Uh, when I was in Dog Pound Daily, I remember getting upset over a, a first down call that wasn't called, even though the ball was clearly past the marker. So I did this whole article on what constitutes a first down in the NFL. And I would strongly suggest all of you go back and read this because what you think of first down in the NFL is really not what you think it is. And referees give and take away yardage from teams all the time. All the time. And and it's perfectly legal in the way things work, but... I would, I would recommend all of you go see it. I don't even get paid for that article, so I would just recommend you go see it. But, <clears throat> yeah, the referees were really something. But I want to talk back again about what you just said here with uh, the pick six and the down 14. Was it 14 nothing or 14-3? It was pretty bad was pretty 14 early. 14 nothing. 14 nothing. I mean, for those of us who have been watching the Browns for decades, like this was the here-we-go-again moment, right? This was the – well, we're down, the team's going to fold, and we're just going to play this out. I looked at my son, I'm like, this is going to be a long game, dude. And like, we're five minutes into the first quarter, and it's already a long game. But it I was, was sorry, ahead. it was 17 to three at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, that was a mess. I mean, it, it was, if the team was going to fold up and die, this was it right here. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason not to fold up and die. I mean, how are you going to come back 14 against arguably the second best defense in the NFL? And you've got, two offensive tackles that are out. You have a running back out and wide receivers are playing, but I don't think Goodwin or Godwin was there. So I don't think Goodwin was there. Yeah. So I don't think Goodwin was there. So, I mean, I don't know. You could have folded up and died. Yeah. But what I liked about this team was that it didn't right. It, Mm -hmm. It didn't. And it didn't panic. Like normally you'd see with Stefanski. And I think the last two years he's been better at this. The Browns get down 14. They just start chucking the ball all over the yard. Well, that's not what they did here. They stuck with their game plan. They just played their brand of football, 
and they came back and won the game. I used to tell people all the time the most impressive win I've ever seen was Ravens beating another team, and it was because the Ravens were down 17. They basically didn't panic, middle of the third quarter, just ran the football, ran the football, ran the football, made stops, and won the game. Well, this is what the Browns did to them this week, right? Yeah, definitely. They didn't panic, played their game, and won the football game. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? Well, you've got a point there because a lot of the time, if you're down 17-3, as what will happen, you'd assume uh, a lot of coaches, some of the more not as good ones, will panic and will start just heaving the ball downfield because they think, oh, we don't have enough time. We're trying to come back from this deficit. We got to. And the only best way to do that is to throw the ball a lot. And so they'll throw the ball a lot. The receivers will get tired. The quarterback will eventually inevitably make that mistake and throw an interception and it didn't matter but that's what the browns didn't do is they figured out they played what they're they played their own football they played browns mm-hmm. football and they stick stuck to their game plan the entire game it didn't matter the deficit they stuck to their game plan and it panned out and they won right i mean yeah like you said the the the, the trap is to panic or analytics will tell you once you're down 14 you need to start chucking the ball all over the place mm-hmm. and sometimes analytics are just wrong I'm yeah. sometimes they are. And I think at this point, if you can control the game, either through the run game or the passing game, that's what you need to do. And then just have the patience to wait it out. Stefanski hasn't been the best about this in his career. Mm-hmm. So to see him guide a team that just fought, 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 didn't panic in the coaching staff, didn't panic on the field. It was a completely different Browns team than we've seen in all these years past. So that to me is the good news about the game. This team is for real. I've been saying for a while they're for real, but now that we see them actually get down, fight back, never surrender, never give up and, Mm -hmm. and come back and, and put a, put a good victory together. I mean, that's what you want out of a football team right there. Yeah. That's why you watch NFL football. And like the defense, they only let up 14 points after that moment. Mm-hmm. They had a touch, the Ravens had a touchdown in the third and a touchdown in the fourth. And that was it. That was the only remaining points the Ravens could score. And I think they found out, oh, man, this team's for real. We got to actually step up our game. We got to really um, it's it's not going to be a an easy game. This is clearly going to be a, a dig. It's going to you're going to have to dig down. You're going to have to dig, uh, dig your feet, dig your heels. You are gonna have to stick there and stay and play the best football you can. And the defense and the offense did that. And we ended up. And it clearly panned out because we ended up winning the game. Right. And I think that brings up a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because the way the Browns are being perceived in the AFC North is changing. And the Steelers used to come out, the Browns are the Browns, or in their stupid lingo, the Browns is the Browns because apparently they don't know English. But Steeler talk is Browns is the Browns, right? Again, I got out a big nasty article, big nasty Twitter fight with Joy Taylor over this before this became a big thing two seasons later. So I would recommend you check that out. But <clears throat> no, I mean, the Steelers did that. The Browns went into Pittsburgh, beat them, and all of a sudden they don't talk so much trash anymore. And the Bengals, I mean, the Browns have owned the Bengals for the last three oh, four yeah. years. I don't know. I don't know how nobody has seen this. I think the Browns are like five and one in the last three seasons against this team, or maybe six and so, one. Yeah maybe six and one now given the the victory this season but the steel the brown or the Bengals, they don't talk a lot of smack because they know that the browns are for real but the ravens this has been a team that even as early as week two 
was out there saying, we're going to show up there and we're going to beat this team down in front of their wives and children and all this stupidity, you know, but the Ravens now just got served, right? They're thinking, Mm -hmm. oh, we're going to get up big and we're just going to coast because, you know, the Browns, the Browns, they'll self implode. They'll throw interceptions. They'll do what the Browns do. Harbaugh has, yeah, Harbaugh has been on record to say, all you got to do is get on a lead and let them, you know, just beat themselves. Well, the Browns didn't beat themselves. And the Ravens were waiting for the Browns to beat themselves. Instead, mm-hmm. the Browns came out and beat them and the refs. And the refs in there, I mean, I'll go back on the refs. That punt muff set the Ravens up in the in the uh, red zone, right? Those mm-hmm. refs were going to call penalties until the Ravens scored a touchdown. That was one of the most ridiculous and obvious things I've ever seen in my life. Like, no matter what, you got the third down. If they didn't get a touchdown there was going to be a flag. I think it happened like three times on that drive. Might have, yeah. And then there was a time that punt situation where the Ravens were going to come out and punt. Then the Browns are trying to call a timeout because they had too many people on the field, right? Didn't give them the timeout, gave the Ravens the uh, the penalty, which put them in a fourth and two when they got that and drove down the field and scored a touchdown. It's stuff like this that like normally you get the timeout in that situation. How many times have we seen some team have 12 men on the field and then they get the timeout to call to, to negate the penalty. Well, the rest wouldn't give it to them, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's just little things like this that, that really severely f- affect the outcome of the game. But a good team knows you have to defeat the officials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we had 10 penalties for 55 yards. Those yards didn't really matter. It was the situations these penalties were in. I mean, mm-hmm. 55 yards for 10 pe- 55 yards. I mean, the Ravens had more yards uh, penalty. Penal- penalty yards than us was 64 but 55 yards penalties it didn't affect the game it affected the the situation of the penalty was in Mm -hmm. because i mean it was it was third and ten it was like fourth and uh seven fourth and eight when these penalties were occurring pushing them forward to Mm -hmm. a instead of a uh 100 punt situation to a pretty good chance of getting a fourth down situation it was just these it was just the situation these penalties were in that were right. really causing it to be very unfair. And the automatic first downs and our defenses mm-hmm. complain all the time. Like the Ravens were third and 12 or third and 11 and there's a holding for five yards, but it carries an automatic first down with it. Mm-hmm. There you go. I mean, that that's how officials affect football games. You, yeah. you got a guy on third down, you call a holding, but you could pretty much call any play you want. Defensive holding, offensive holding. You can call it pretty much every play, but you know, you call it at a time where now that affects the first down and that keeps the offense on the field. I'm going on this all day, but let's let's uh, let's move on to my second favorite topic. Jerome Ford. Now, those of you last week listened to me talk about Jerome Ford ad nauseum and how I think he's just hot garbage. And I still stand by this to a degree. The degree I don't stand by this is to say he's still young and he can learn. And Mm -hmm. I remember watching the very first play of the game before the interception. And I thought, holy crap, this may, we may actually win this game. Then the next play, they had an interception for a pick six, but Jerome Ford went on a, a outside zone to the right, ran up, saw the backs of his blockers and cut the ball up for a seven yard gain. Now against the Cardinals, that's a four yard loss. But against the Ravens, he cuts the ball up and it's a seven-yard game. That's how you win football games. That's how you keep your team on the field. You get Mm -hmm. these positive yards. 
And I said last week, I really hope uh, Kareem Hunt grabs Jerome Ford and says, look, man, you've got to run forward and not backward. This is the NFL. And somebody somehow got through to Jerome Ford because he now in those outside zones were cutting the ball, was cutting the ball up. Now, will he do that next week? Guess we'll find out. What do you think? Yeah. I know you were pretty hot on my uh, my Jerome Ford take last week, so I'm going to no, give you, you the mic. Going to give yeah, you the mic. You had a point. I mean, some of the statistics, some of the more advanced analytics, did say he was a very inefficient back, and he was trying to basically go backwards to go forwards. Which obviously, in high school and in college, you're playing people who are never going to even sniff an NFL football game. Occasionally, you're playing these people who are literally never going to even touch nfl but these people are the 0.1 of the 0.1 i mean these are the best of the best these players have made it all the way there and there's specific reasons they have made it all the way there because they're good and so these situations where jerome four was running backwards and running forwards would be a four yard gain in college but it's going to be a four yard loss in the nfl because they are very 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 good in the nfl and i think that's something he's learning is that you cannot go backwards you must go forwards at all costs, even if it's a one yard gain, that's still you still went forward. So I think he needs to learn how to push forward. I think he is starting to show that is he he is pushing forward. He is finding the holes quickly and pushing into the holes. And I think he's he, he does have a chance to learn. I think he still has a very good chance to be a pretty good player. Well, I think he'll be I mean, if I will reverse track and say this, if Jerome Ford can consistently hit the hole on those outside zones. Now, the Browns didn't run a lot of outside zones last week, but mm-hmm. I did not, not last week, but against the, yeah, against the Ravens. They didn't run a lot of outside zone against the Ravens. Didn't run a lot of inside zone against the Ravens. They just didn't run a lot of zone against the Ravens because you don't run zone against that team. That team is built to stop zone plays with Roquan Smith, with uh, Patrick Queen. Those guys are big and fast enough to stop any zone play you got going on. So what teams do is run power, pin and pull, some of those type schemes where you have a guard moving to ta- trap somebody or you have a tackle pulling to trap somebody or you have an H-back pulling to trap somebody and create a hole like you burst open a hole like the jaws of life. Jerome Ford is very good with that. And I was saying this last week on this podcast and other podcasts I was on. If you give him a defined hole, he can run up that hole and gain you some yards. So I really thought if you listen to the uh, fanatical elves podcast i did say that i thought jerome ford was going to have a breakout game but he had the breakout game was going to be based on the idea that they're going to run basic power schemes and traps and, and pulls what i was genuinely impressed with was that ford can now see a hole or at least today like against the ravens yeah at least saw the back of his offensive tackle and said oh i gotta turn left this is like nascar turn left you know, mm-hmm. so if he can keep that up, if he can keep that up, he will be an extremely effective running back given his speed and his ability to catch the ball and runs after the after a catch. Mm-hmm. And he's strong. He's a strong running back, too. He has the capability of he's not as strong as Nick Chubb, but he's not a Jonathan Taylor who's more of a elusive. I'm going to beat you in a sprint um, kind of player. He definitely has the capabilities of being a strong running back, too, which adds mm-hmm. another dynamic like a Derrick Henry where he's slower, but he can just push you right off. He doesn't care. Well, I think Jerome Ford is fast, not as fast as Nick Chubb. I would at his ceiling. I think Jerome Ford could be Nick Chubb light, not as fast, not as powerful, not as great a vision, 
but extremely effective. Okay? Yeah. At his floor, he's just hot garbage. And I think we've seen the floor. So mm-hmm. let's see if we can get up toward the ceiling. All right. Right now, we got to take our break. Um, hang on after the break. We'll get into the Ravens hate. What better week to do Ravens hate than a week that you beat the Ravens? Plus, mm-hmm. stick around. I'm going to school Samuel on why I hate the Ravens so much that I dedicate an entire segment, every podcast. I'm excited. Trashing this team. All right. So hang on. And we're back. Make sure to check out all of our sponsors and like go visit them because you know we're as Samuel will tell you we're making millions of bucks off this podcast. So yeah, I mean we're we're, we're raking it all in, man. Believe it or not. But now, Samuel, this is your first attempt, and I think I've prepared you to telling you if you're going to come on this show, you have to participate in the Ravens hate. I'm actually a Ravens fan. Go to hell. That's right. They can go to hell. I didn't say that in front of you, Samuel. I didn't say that in front of you. Young ears over here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Young ears. I had to read the group chat. I think I saw enough. <laughs> the Ravens. So, Samuel, do you hate the Ravens? Yes. Tell me why you hate the Ravens. Uh, they're annoying. Their stadium kind of sucks. Um. They have a lot of the the, the fans just kind of suck. Uh, this this this. Have you ever uh, met an actual Ravens fan? I've never met a real Ravens fan. See, now but you're I've, a better person for having never met one of these goons. So continue. Uh, Baltimore is just kind of a trash city, just in general. I don't know why they chose to live there and fan there and build their garbage team there. Baltimore is just weird oh ladies and gentlemen i have a feeling that mr samuel doesn't know the history of the baltimore ravens no they were last the browns and then they got moved to cleveland and then a new team let's talk about baltimore football for a second okay the baltimore colts the now Mm, indianapolis colts used to be in baltimore now the baltimore colts that moved from baltimore to indianapolis is actually the third iteration of the baltimore colts the first iteration collapsed because the fans didn't support the team. The second iteration collapsed because fans didn't support the team. The third iteration of the Colts, the, the NFL did not want to put another team in Baltimore because of what happened to the first two versions of the Colts and said, okay, we'll put another team in there. Then they, they specifically went to Paul Brown and said, Paul Brown, we need you to help this team figure it out. So Paul Brown decided instead of signing the recently cut Johnny Unitas, instead of signing him to the Browns roster, looked at the Colts coaching staff, which were all former Paul Brown coaches, said, you need to sign this guy to your team. And then the team became successful. Okay. But then the city of Baltimore didn't want to replace their garbage stadium. So Jim Ursay, I believe it was Ursay, Jim Ursay said, screw this. We're done. And in the middle of the night, took the team and moved to Indianapolis. So there, there it lies. That's why the Colts are in Indianapolis. Okay. Ever since then, the city of Baltimore has been trying to get a team. And you can, there's a whole lot of stories behind this. But ultimately, it was the meeting of the perfect situation where Art Modell had like wasted so much money that he couldn't even afford to pay with all the TV money, couldn't afford to even pay the salaries of his players. 
was in so much personal debt that the city of Baltimore, after having tried and failed on numerous occasions because the NFL had had enough of teams in Baltimore because the city never supported them, never took care of them, never took care of the stadium, none of it, okay? The NFL said enough is enough. We are not going back to Baltimore. And after having failed twice to garner an expansion franchise in Baltimore, the city decided we are now going to set our sights on making a team move from their position to Baltimore. Okay. I'm sure this is all history. All of you know, but Art Modell was in so much debt personally and the team and was leveraged to the tilt that the city and state of Maryland and the city of Baltimore bailed him out, paid him an exorbitant amount of money on top of bailing him out and built a brand new stadium and everything that's actually sitting there now. And thus he up and moved the team for personal gain on to Baltimore. Uh, he was actually trashed and ripped by everybody. There's a Bob Costas rant that's actually worth watching if you haven't watched it. But that's not my personal reason for hating the Ravens. Although it is difficult to watch a team that was set up by Bill Belichick and set up to be successful uh, move to Baltimore and pretty much use that blueprint to be successful in Baltimore. That's really irritating. But the reason I personally hate the team is that I was in college. I was 21. Between my junior and senior year of college, and it was my junior year, and I was an avid Browns fan. This was before Sunday tickets, so you couldn't even watch this stuff. I had to, like, you know, get on the computer or read the paper the next day to find out who won or watch ESPN, right? <clears throat> Middle of the season, this turmoil just breaks loose, and my team moves and becomes something completely different. And you got to watch Art Modell up there laughing and joking it up. You know, all this kind of stuff. And I just like, that was it. That's my team and they destroyed it. And it's a very personal thing for me. So to me, this team is hot. They can just go like all burn in hell. They can go to hell. Yeah. All of them. The whole, all of them. The mayor gets up there and, you know, the Browns are moving to Baltimore. You know, I just, I'd like to punch him every time I see that thing. And that was a very real moment in my life, you know. It wasn't like something you read about in the history books. This is something I was right there, front and center, watching unfold as fans basically tore down Municipal Stadium. And I mean, it, it was a real, real thing. It's like you don't remember 9 11, I'm assuming. No, no, I wasn't so, alive then. That's okay. I remember 9 11. Okay. So the American, uh, United States was one country before 9 11, it's another country after 9 11. The Browns are one team before the move, and they're a different team after the move. And the ethos of who the Browns were, that team that won all those championships that was super successful, is still that same ethos that kind of carries the Ravens without all the nastiness and cheating and vileness that they've imported because, well, it's Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> they, also have a, they also have a hardball on their team, so that just makes them extra worse. Um, those those guys are some crybaby crap, man. I remember I mentioned on the uh, Fanatical Elves podcast, like, what would it be like to grow up in that household, man? Like, anytime you punish this kid for doing something blatantly, obviously wrong, that kid had to just stand there and argue with you nonstop. I mean, yeah. I want to reach through the screen and slap the guy, and I'm not even his parents. Yeah, they they're they're annoying, and I'm not. I never was. I was way. I was like negative. At 30 plus years old whenever that occurred so i don't have that kind of mm -hmm. personal hate for the ravens but they're just a, they're just annoying 
they'll just casually they'll just trash talk everyone they talk about they always think they're better than than you occasionally they just don't they're just not a fun fan base they're just annoying well i'll tell you what if if you say all this stuff be careful going to the town i've been there once to a game i will never do that again (laughs) i had a guy follow me around trying to start a fight that's just i'm like when i didn't take the bait he started on somebody else when he that guy didn't take the bait he started on someone else i mean it's crazy it's crazy and then and then right do you know who the st louis browns were uh i i think i've heard them mentioned before but the no, st louis exactly. browns was a major league baseball team okay and they then they the, became the cardinals no no they no no no, no. i'm thinking they they got sold no. the owner who pledged that he would not move the team from st louis moved the team to baltimore where the st louis browns became the baltimore orioles so hmm. then i'm in line right going into the game somebody asked me what's a brown I looked at him and I said, you know what? The fact that you don't know what a brown is is a, just a black stain on your city. Like, friends don't let friends let their teams go to Baltimore. Like, like you cannot have a team named the Browns and let them go to Baltimore. They'll never come back. You'll never see them again. Yeah. Anyway, we're spending way too much time on hating <laughs> Baltimore. So speaking of why I hate Baltimore, um, besides, I swear to God, they're like, paying officials i don't i can't make sense of anything that went on in that game i mean also i don't know if you saw that clearly backward pass that was fumbled in the steelers game that the packers picked up and scored a touchdown on that was reviewed quote unquote and determined to be a forward pass that was some crazy crap the ball was thrown on the front half of one hash or front half of one yard marker the ball was dropped on the opposite side of that yard marker which was clearly a yard backward and was ruled a forward pass and therefore incomplete and therefore the Steelers won that football game it's insane insane the kind of stuff that goes on between those two teams but speaking of the Steelers you got anything about the Steelers coming up uh I mean I, I know the the record might be a little deceiving, but they they are a bad team. I mean, they have found ways to win games. I mean, they are six and three right now. They have found ways to win games. I mean, they did beat the Ravens. They but they also have lost some really mediocre, and they've also only beat uh, bad teams. I mean, they beat the Raiders, they beat the the Rams, they beat the Titans, they beat the Packers. I mean, like anyone could beat those teams at this point. They lost to the 49ers and the Jaguars and the Texans, who all have proven that they are very good teams right now. Maybe not the Texans. The Texans are pretty good, though. But, like, Texans, I don't I think... Wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out the Texans right now. And then the Jaguars, they got absolutely rocked by the 49ers, so I don't know about mm-hmm. them. But they have not proven that they can beat good teams. And so I think they're definitely a beatable team. I mean, you do have to worry about that defense. That defense is pretty good. They just they just haven't proven that they're a good team yet. They haven't proven that they can beat a good a team that actually has a a good team like a good a good record. I mean, I think you could say the exact same thing about the Ravens. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was one of the things I think was going into the Ravens game was let's see them play an actual NFL team right now, yes. and not rookie quarterbacks or uh, you know rookie like they they got the Texans on their first start of the the opening week. They got C.J. Stroud's first start. Then they got Anthony Richardson's second start which he came out and then um, I can't think of the guy's name. Garner Minshew came in and beat them, right? They Then they got 
DTR in their third game or second or third game. I don't know how this all played out. It was fourth, fourth game. Fourth game, but they haven't played. They haven't really been tested by a team that's been healthy and played. And when they have played against teams that are healthy and decent, they don't play that well. I don't think they're Mm -hmm. that good of a football team. I've been saying this for a long time. But like as you said, just like the Steelers, they find ways to win against these bad teams, and then, you know, they're they're there in the in the their process. record deceives them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the record doesn't isn't their true picture. Right, and I'm not convinced the the Steelers are anything except for, again, a lot of arrogant wide receivers. I don't think Najee Harris is is what everybody thinks he is. I mean, that guy was drafted, and the first question he gets asked by announcers is, is he an all-pro this year? I mean, come on, the dude was just drafted. It's draft night, and you're telling me he's an all-pro. Give me a break. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is how the hype machine works. You got popular teams like the Cowboys and the Steelers, who are like the two most popular teams in the NFL. So anybody that plays for them clearly must be an all-pro, you know, and so – I don't know. I'm not going to get into the financial side of football. I'm just going to stick with the field. I'm interested in seeing the Steelers game because the Steelers, I contend that TJ Watt is the garbage collector. Um, If you just take a reel of his sacks, you'll see a lot of it is garbage collecting. Now, can he actually make a move on an offensive tackle and good ones and make a move? Absolutely. He can. Is that Mm -hmm. what the defense does? No, the defense pressures your quarterback to roll to the right so DJ Watt can run him down. That's how they play defense. So it's going to be important for the Browns to protect Deshaun Watson so he can stand there and not have to roll to the right out of mm-hmm. the pocket. Roll at all. I mean, Deshaun Watson has not been very good when he rolls out of the pocket. He throws really weak footballs and they end up being intercepted. I mean, he's just not a good rollout uh, thrower. And, but the Browns, they play, not the Browns, the Steelers, they just play dirty football. They just play football. They shut down your best players. They make you go to your backups, and then they beat you in close, tight matchups that they win because you just can't score. Because they just they stop you, but they don't stop you very well. They just stop you in gross ways that make it hard to score, and then they manage to win in 18 to 19 games. Right. And my favorite was James Harrison, who was notoriously a headhunter, came out and said that uh, Mike Tomlin paid him to hurt people and then came back and said, oh, we're just kidding. That's not true. I'm just kidding. Like a day later. And then nobody asked the question, should we investigate this? Like, is this something we should look at? The Tomlin's paying people to hurt people. I mean, you got Ryan Shazier spearing a player and breaking his neck. You've got people hitting. I mean, they're they're like they're headhunters. That's what they are. They're headhunters. Yeah. So, or leg and, hunters uh, in our case. Oh yeah, or yeah, or they're going after people's legs, just enough to take them, you know, hurt them, get them out of the game, so we can win. You know, th- that's that, in my opinion, is what the Steelers' ethos is, if there is one. But sorry, the Steelers have not won a single game uh, where they won by more than two scores. They beat the Browns, they beat them by four. They beat the Raven or the Raiders, beat them by five. Beat the uh, Ravens, the Raiders and the Ravens. The Ravens, they beat the Ravens by a single touchdown. They beat the Rams by a single touchdown. They beat the Titans by four, and they beat the Packers by four. They have not beat a single team by more than seven points. Well, I mean, in, in the NFL, a win is a win, I guess. But yes, I know, but they play I think, dirty. I think what you're saying is that it shows that like there's chinks in the armor, you know. Yes, and, and I'm I, not convinced that Mike Tomlin is the, the end-all coach that everybody thinks he is. Sure, yeah. they haven't had a losing season, but you've played all those years 
with the Bengals and the Browns being just garbage in that division. Yeah. All those years you've it played wasn't even competitive. Yeah, it's like watching the stat come up that Harbaugh is twenty five and six against the Browns. Well, wait a minute. The last three seasons he's four and two or two and four. So mm-hmm. why don't you put that stat I mean, up? We went zero and seventeen or zero and sixteen like a few years ago. Like obviously we haven't been very good, so it's not that hard to beat our team. Right, but the, you know it's only the stat that looks the most impressive that gets on. Yes, you know obviously. But he's twenty five and six. Well, he's like two and four in the last three seasons. Just like mm-hmm. the Bra- or the Bengals are one and seven in the last three seasons, so you know there, there's there's change in the air when it comes to that. I, I don't know. I mean, the Steelers their 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 thing is they've got a defense that, like the Ravens, they have really invested in that defense. They're really heavily invested in that three four style, and you have to have an outside linebacker, and that's T.J. Watt, and they feed everything to Watt, and so. Yes. When your defense is set up to feed everything to Watt, when Watt isn't playing, you're going to lose, which is radically true (laughs) for the Steelers. Mm -hmm. They have a losing record when Watt doesn't play. So they have a vested interest in making sure he stays healthy because if you don't feed him or if you can't feed him, and they had Hightower on the other side they were trying to feed when Watt uh, Watt was out. I mean, then it's all like, oh, Hightower's the next all-pro. No, he's just playing the role that Mm -hmm. that position has, which is – we flush everything to this guy and he makes the tackle. So at some point, somebody's going to listen to me when I'm telling them that, you know, some players just aren't as good as it looks, you know, whatever. I think the Browns have got to like pound at TJ Watt. They need to run the ball at TJ Watt. Okay. Just pound at it. That's how you neutralize a player like that is you push the ball toward him. So run outside zones at him, trap him, anything you got to do, but just, you got to make his life, a nightmare on that defense. Cause I don't think there's enough people on the defense to really make up for that. Once you've done that. Yeah. But like, I mean the Steelers, if you look at their stats, they have not scored, they have not won a game or they have not scored more than 25 points in any of their games yet. Uh, or actually they did once and it was against the Browns. They have not scored more than 25 points. They also, uh, Oh man, I was, what was the other statistic. They also, or it wasn't a statistic. They're like the last year's Vikings. Last year's Vikings were 12 and five because they won nine one score games. And if they showed that they weren't actually a serious team because they got destroyed by the giants in the week one of the playoffs. And so I do think that, I think the the Steelers are an exploitable team. I think they are beatable. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're this invulnerable team that will win you. That'll beat you. And that'll stop you. And you just can't run the ball on, or you can't pass the ball on. They're definitely a beatable team. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, I'm going to pull back here. I think that what happened after this last game with the Ravens is that the Browns are now in control of their destiny in terms of their division. Okay. Mm-hmm. They, they they split with the Ravens, although I think the Ravens still have the tiebreaker with points, right? If they beat the Steelers, they can split the Steelers, and that'll just come down to a point differential. If you beat the Bengals again, even if yeah. the Bengals beat you, okay, you still may have control of that situation given the point differential from week one. So if you can take on the Steelers and win this game, you're going to be in the driver's seat of what happens here. And I do think we're going to see a more collapse of the Ravens once they start playing better opponents. And they're going to have to play better opponents because, I mean, you can't play anything worse than what they've already played this year. I mean, at some point, rookie quarterbacks get six or seven starts and they actually play well. 
So the yeah. days of playing four teams with rookies quarterbacks to making their first or second start, those days are over. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're, they're done. So now you're going to have to actually beat actual football teams. Yes. They've got the Bengals next or the Bengals next week. Then they got the Jaguars and the 49ers and the Dolphins. They could go 0 and 4 on those four games. I mean, those are serious teams. 49ers, probably the best team in the NFC. Jaguars, they, depending on how they have been doing, but they're still good. The Dolphins, I mean, they, they're capable of, obviously, we've seen it dropping 70 points on you if you're not careful. So, mm-hmm. and then they do have the Steelers, the Chargers, and the Rams. I mean, the Rams aren't serious. Chargers, who knows about them? They're not very it's good. It's on right where now. Justin Herbert is with his his um, finger. I mean, if, if that thing yeah. comes back and he can start throwing the ball around the yard and you get Bosa healthy and you get everybody on that defense working out, that, that could be a tough game for them. I mean, they've got they've got seven upcoming games. They've got seven left games. I think that it is possible that they could go two and five. I think they could only win two more games through at the end of the by the end of the season. I mean, they do not have an easy rest of the schedule. Well, that's because they they front loaded. I was pointing this out back in April that their schedule is front loaded, right? Like I, I saw the first week against Houston. I thought this is ridiculous. This is like the college level warm up game. I even pointed it out on my podcast. Like the Ravens have the week one warm up game against the Houston Texans because you got the rookie quarterback on their first start. And then it just kind of happened to fall that way for them for three or four weeks where they're just playing rookies that either thrown in there or just not ready to go. And I don't know. I can see them beating the Jaguars because yeah. Trevor Lawrence still, in my opinion, is not. I mean, he's an average quarterback, but he's not a top 10 quarterback. And mm-hmm. the way you beat Trevor Lawrence is you pressure him. And what the Ravens do well is pressure. So if Trevor Lawrence has what I call bigger Mayfield disease. He gets pressured. He runs to the right. You can make that happen all day long. I could see this. I don't know if the Steelers play the uh, Jaguars. We're playing the South. No, we'll we'll play the Jaguars, too, because we're playing the South. So the Steelers will have to play the Jaguars at some point. That's tailor-made for the Steelers. Like, Trevor Lawrence is like a dream come true. He's like a T.J. Watt, like, I'm going to get sacks machine because they're just going to pressure him to run to the right. And all he does is run to the right. And once he runs out to the right, his accuracy just goes in the toilet. So uh, that's a game the Steelers could win pretty easy if they haven't already doesn't appear that the Steelers actually have to play the Jaguars. They already did. They already played the Jaguars and they play lost. The, okay, they played the Jaguars and the Jaguars and they beat lost. them? Yeah. Okay. 20 to 10. Okay, well. So they already got that through, but they, they have a pretty easy schedule. See, their schedule is kind of cheap. I mean, they have us, then the Bengals, then the Cardinals, and the Patriots, and the Colts. I mean, all three of those teams are completely garbage. Cardinals and Patriots, worst teams in the league. Colts, they're, they're, they're still pretty terrible. Bengals and Seahawks, then Ravens. I mean, they could lose two of those games. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. They're just, they have such a cheap schedule to go 11 and six. It, it's like the old Patriots, right? They, they, you had a situation where Tom Brady and the Patriots would come out and the Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins were just garbage. Yeah. And you could just roll the ball out there and be six and oh. So if you could just go four and four or That's four and six, and- right? If you go four and six, let's say you lose four, you go four and six, you're still 10 and six. Yeah. And you're still going to win the division because the other three are are just garbage. I mean, this is the thing that like people don't understand about that whole Patriots run was that when you roll the ball out there and you got six wins because you're playing hot garbage for six games, it's not that hard to win the division. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. they did have losing records outside of their division. 
but because they won their division, they can get the number one seed because when you're gifted six games, so it's a good team. They're a very good team that those Patriots teams were, but they were gifted a lot because of the division they were in. And the Browns don't have that. If, if the Browns walked out into a division right now with this team and played three teams on the level, the Jets, the Dolphins, and the um, Bills were back in the day. I mean, yeah, we'd probably be six and zero right now. We'd probably, probably be have six and zero. Ten wins right now. Mm-hmm. You're looking at ten wins just just for showing up. Anyway, there's my rant about football, the New England Patriots. I mean, I like the Patriots. I just don't think they're what people think they are, because people fail to see just how much crap was in the A- uh, the AFC North um, East at the time. Super Bowl wins a Super Bowl win. Don't matter if it's gifted to you. They still won six Super Bowls. Yeah, so they, they won the Super Bowls, but when you have to play one game, two games to get to the Super Bowl as opposed to three. Yes, I know. Yeah, but <clears> Super Bowl wins a Super Bowl win. You get a bye week, and you get you got everything kind of lined up for you. So anyway, yeah, NFL did a lot to line up that game. And 2001, after 9-11, the Patriots won in the Super Bowl. Go back and watch that Super Bowl. I might have to find that. Go back and how... watch that Super Bowl. You can probably find that on uh, NFL YouTube. Plus or something. I might be able to find that on YouTube. Uh, yeah, just Plenty go back and watch that Super Bowl. Well, I think that comes up with all of our time this week. Uh, thanks for joining the show, Samuel. Yeah, I really like it. It's going to be it's fun. Yeah, I just like to get out here and shoot the crap, you know, <laughs> talk football. This is, like I said, this is my chance to rant about things that are on my mind. But uh, Samuel, good to have you on the show. Thanks for your opinions. Come back anytime you want. Just shoot me a text. Say, hey, let's go on the show. Yeah. But just remember, you have to have the Ravens hate. You got to bring the hate every week for that rat bird crap mess. So, and I know yeah. you fans out there, you love the Ravens hate too, or you wouldn't listen. And by the looks of it, you don't. So, hey, have a great week. Thank you for listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast. Please like, subscribe, and tell all your friends to give a listen. You can follow host Joel Cade on Twitter at The Left Guard. 